and we're recording. So tonight's guest is Kane, Sh- Kane Sherwin. <laughs> <laughs> tonight's guest is Shane Kerwin um, of uh, Personal Survival Solutions. And I'll tell you what, folks, you're in for a treat tonight because the dude is as legit as they come. Um, just a quick rundown. Uh, 82nd Airborne, uh, 24 years in the U.S. Army, uh, uh, did some work over in Korea outside the DMZ or in the DMZ, um, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, global War on Terrorism, Medical Sergeant, Scout Sniper, man, you you know, you know name it, he's done it, and it's freaking awesome. And so he is the founder and owner of Personal Survival Solutions. Um and Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee. It's just south of uh, Fort Campbell, uh, really, really close to Nashville. And Shane, man, just thanks a bunch for coming on today. Hey, thank, thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm humbled and, and honored all at the same time. So yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Right on. Can you tell us a little bit about you know your service and just give us a feel for some of the cool stuff that you did while you were in? Sure, man. Sure. Yeah, so you know, like you said, I did... I did just about 24 years. It's just easier to round up. It was so close. Uh, 24 years in the Army. Uh, retired in 2018. Uh, 16 of those years was at 5th Special Forces Group up at Fort Campbell. I was one of those guys that uh, I got there and I was very lucky. I never left. Um, before that, uh, I was an infantry guy. I was in the 82nd. And when I first came in, uh, you know, I came in in like 93. And I was going through basic training, actually, when uh, Mogadishu, Somalia was going on. And so, but I actually missed that stuff. And uh, I went to Korea, uh, my first duty assignment, which was kind of cool because, you know, my dad was in the Army and he spent all his time in Korea. And so it was neat kind of going there initially. And uh, I got picked up for the DMZ scout platoon. And so what that was is... (laughs) Actually, I think the only reason I was picked is because they had the uh, tour guides that were up there also, and I'm tall. And so they wanted like tall, squared away guys. And I never did go to the tour guides, but I uh, went to the scout platoon. And essentially what we were doing is um, we were the only Americans to do at the time to do counter infiltration patrols against the North Koreans that were trying to infiltrate South. And so it really kind of, set things up and framed my military career because uh you know although we had a small area uh you know we were out doing patrols and uh you know every once in a while they would try and get get south and we would kind of interdict that and they would run back you know across the border and but you know we had live ammo in that and so uh when i left korea uh, and i went to airborne school and i went to the 82nd uh, I ended up getting picked for another scout platoon, uh, recce platoon. And so I did that and it was, uh, it was always what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in, in small reconnaissance teams or, and while I was in Korea, I was introduced to, to some sniper operations. And, uh, it was the first time that I met any special forces guys. Cause first special forces group was over there. They did a, just a five day mobile training team. Uh, sniper training and I was getting ready to leave and actually weasel my way into it uh, by doing some good used car salesman stuff to my platoon leader and that and then as I went to the 82nd and did scout platoon stuff I also did uh, 
cyber operations. And, but like I said, Korea kind of framed it because, you know, we would go out to the field and, you know, there was peacetime pretty much then. There wasn't really anything going on. And, uh, you know, we'd be doing field exercises and everybody else was kind of like, well, that's just our buddies from the other battalion down there. It's not real, you know, opposing forces or that. And I was like, well, I just came from where, you know, if we screwed up, uh, something potentially bad could happen and us create an international incident. And so I always continued to think like that. Um, and so that that was great. I loved it. I had a short break in service. I got out and uh, about 15 months later, I went back in and, and I told my dad, I was like, hey, I think I'm gonna go back in the army. And he said, you never left. Uh, so when do you leave? And uh, <laughs> I, I went back to the same uh, the same battalion, I went back to the 82nd, same battalion, uh, back to the same scout platoon, the same scout team, and really the only thing that had changed was I went from being the senior scout to the assistant team leader. And so I did that for a little bit and then finally went to selection and assessment, and this was probably about 99, and then uh, got selected, was was very fortunate there, got selected, and uh uh, went to the Q course, Special Force Qualification course in 2000, and I got picked uh, to be a attempt to be a medic. And uh, so that that's about a two and a half year program. Uh, by the time you go through the qualification course and the way that was set up then with three phases, uh, and then you hit language school and you did the SEER school, the survival school and all that. And so two and a half years later, I finally got through and uh, got stationed at Fifth Special Forces Group, where um, got my team, and that was like September of '02. And I walked in the door, and I said, "Oh, uh, we're going to send you to our in-house sniper course," uh, which at the time, Fifth Group Sniper Course was six weeks long. And so we went down there, and or I went down there and did that, uh, and was successful. And they were saying, "If you're if you're successful." We're going to send you down to Fort Bragg to challenge a level one course. And I was so new that I thought I was going to shoot some sort of sniper competition or something. <laughs> and, and come to find out, uh, used to, they used to do this challenge course where you went down and you did all the gated events. Um, it was kind of an all or nothing and uh, 10 days worth. And if you were successful through it, then you got a level one. Uh, it was SODIC at the time, Special Operations Target Interdiction course. Now it's CIFSIC, the Special Forces Sniper course, uh, but you got a certificate as a level one sniper. And, and that course is about three months long, a little bit longer. And uh, I was very lucky, uh, made it through that. And uh, we took some Christmas vacation, some Christmas leave, and then came into the team room in like January of 03. Of, uh, and they said, pack up all your stuff. We're going to to Iraq, to, well, to Kuwait, and then subsequently Iraq to invade. And so, because I had missed Afghanistan, uh, when 9-11 happened, I was doing actually my medical rotations up at Fort Campbell at the hospital there. And oh, wow. uh, but, yeah, by the time I got to the unit, though, they'd already been to Afghanistan and back. And so we geared up for, for Iraq, um, did a kind of a unique mission set uh, during the invasion. Uh, with a with an agency that uh, it was it was kind of neat and uh, um, but yeah I got three all expense 
paid trips to Iraq for the invasion, what ended up being OIF-1, OIF-2, and then OIF-3. And uh, then I was, we were really busy. And so I figured it up and I was gone about 10 months every year. And so I needed a bit of a break. And uh, so I started talking to some folks and looking into our sniper program as an instructor. And then um, they had never had a medic and uh, all the stars aligned and I ended up going over there and I was a sniper instructor uh, in addition to being a medic. And I got to be a just a regular instructor, a senior cadre, and actually ran the course for a while and uh, was very fortunate, had some ideas and we extended the course uh, to seven weeks. Uh, we married up with our uh, advanced urban combat guys, the Safawit guys, and then um, did full mission profiles at the end of it. And uh, so I spent a lot of time down there and then the army, because I thought I was going to retire from there, decided, well, we're going to promote you and see if we can make you stay a little bit longer. And I did <laughs> everything that you're not supposed to do to be promoted. And uh, uh, like, I didn't have a new photo. I didn't verify my records. I'm like, they're just going to throw my stuff in the trash can. And well, lo and behold, uh, I made the promotion list. And so I went operational again and I took company operations, uh, went back to Kuwait, uh, then um, ran company operations for what was known, what became known as Train and Equip Syria in the Kingdom of Jordan. And so I got to got to help set that up and then pick kind of pick my team, uh, went back there again and did Train and Equip Syria, uh, did a trip to Lebanon as a team sergeant uh, or operations sergeant. And then uh, I was getting getting long in the tooth. It was getting towards the end. I didn't have any aspirations. And so I, I put my retirement in uh, military wise. I think I've got um, like 11 deployments overseas overall. Um, eight of them will be considered in the global war on terror. And it, as if I didn't have enough on my plate uh, back about 07, uh, I started shifting over to the, the armed citizen side. I got asked to, to maybe teach a little bit. And so, uh, cause I was still training. I was going and taking classes and, and paying for it in addition to the military stuff. And uh, so then I had the opportunity to do some teaching. So I did uh, some teaching with, you know, rifle and carbine, uh, the medical stuff mainly. And then uh, I kept doing that kind of throughout and, and picked up some some people that wanted to do it with me and uh, had a have a training group out in Kansas that I think were on our seventh year I believe going out there and this is before I ever had had PSS you know personal survival solutions and um as I was getting ready to retire uh through the encouragement of some some friends of mine uh Craig Douglas of Shiv Works uh the late Paul Gomez and a few other people are like you should probably do this man and uh so I set up as I was transitioning out retiring uh personal survival solutions and as we were, as I was retiring, uh, we really jumped at it out the gate. Uh, Barrett Firearms approached us. I'd known the Barrett family for a while, um, knew their director of operations. And he's like, hey, would you guys be interested in doing, or you be interested in doing 
uh, the long range 50 cal stuff. And so, you know, we jumped on that and said, yeah, we'd like to do that. Uh, a old Sergeant Major of mine approached me. Uh, he has a crisis resolution and uh, um, intervention type of company. And he does, a, they do a variety of things. And he asked if I'd be interested in doing some work with like active shooter protocols, some medical stuff and some, some uh, crisis intervention things. So I was doing that. And then, uh, cause I didn't have enough on my plate, uh, Royal Range USA in Nashville uh, reached out and wanted to know if I wanted to teach part-time. And so I, I went down there and uh, started teaching a little bit and then uh, helping them work with their program and built up their program with the help of some other instructors and the director of training and that, and uh, ended up being kind of the senior instructor. And then uh, one day they introduced me as the training manager. And uh, I thought it was just kind of a joke. And then I got introduced to that again. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what that means, but uh, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, so I was doing that and that was taking up a lot of my time. Um, so the business got put on the back burner a little bit, except for some private training groups and that. Uh, Barrett restructured and we had a good parting with them, but they wanted to do everything internally. Uh, I kind of walked away from uh, the crisis resolution company for a while, although I'm back contracting with them periodically uh, for some things, uh, medical interventions and the such. And, uh, and then, cause I was putting in like 50 plus hours uh, at roll range and it was two hours of driving time back and forth. And uh, that was never going to be a forever thing. It was a great training opportunity or, you know, working opportunity. And uh, we parted with them. And so now for about a little bit more than two years, uh, we've been doing doing PSS full time. Man, what a story. Dadgum. Wow. So uh, on behalf of everybody that, you know, is listening to this podcast and watching on YouTube, I just want to say thanks a bunch for, you know, the incredible service that you've given to this country. It's incredible. Thank you. So, Thank you very much. And that you continue to serve. It's pretty amazing. So, yep. And you know, like we were talking about before, you know, we started recording in that um, as I was transitioning out, I was I'm like, I've served my whole life. Uh, I want to continue to do that. In what capacity can I do that? And, and you know, that's how PSS was born. And uh, I wanted to serve the general public that was out there, just armed citizens or gun owners, turning, helping them down, step down the path of becoming an armed citizen. And that particular demographic of, hey, somebody that wants to be able to protect themselves, protect the people they care about, be a good member of their community. And, and that's what I kind of structured the, the company around. Right on. Absolutely. I yeah. think that's I think that's the hope of any training company. So yep. or at least I would hope to think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me so, too. Me too. Yeah. So um, so we touched on something a little bit. Um you refer to folks as armed citizens. And uh, you'd recently did a podcast with Kent Lapp, and mm -hmm. that was a really good podcast. Uh, Thank you. Listeners and viewers, go and take a look at Kent Lapp. Okay. The dude's awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, during that podcast, they touched a little bit on, you know, um, uh, you know, calling folks armed citizens. And I think that there's something there. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. 
because I did the same thing. Like when I left the Marine Corps, I would call them civilians. And so a buddy of mine came up to me and he said, Hey, you know, people don't like being called that. And I learned that real quick. Yeah. So, you know, um, when you talk, when you call people civilians, it's almost like they're not on your level yet. It's it's a little condescending. And um, when you call them armed citizens, uh, it's letting them know, it's telling them that, you know, we see you as an equal and we understand in you, uh, your right to the second amendment to keep and bear arms and that that right should not be infringed. And so, you know, of course that comes with a little bit of responsibility and just the simple fact that they accept the responsibility and they take it gracefully. I think that's something to be respected. So, Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And I've kind of broken it down now when I'm in the beginning of classes, especially, uh, the pistol class, I do a about an hour and a half mindset lecture, uh, and spectrum of awareness and, you know, building an individual protective system. And, uh, I said, you know, I kind of break it down. uh, I don't want to say levels, but I said, you know, all of us are citizens. You know, we're we're American citizens. It's our, you know, right uh, to freedom in that. I said, then you go and you purchase a firearm, uh, whatever type of firearm that is. And I said, now you're a citizen that's a gun owner. And now they're sitting in the classroom with us. And I said, you've taken the step down the path to now becoming a responsible gun owner, but an armed citizen. I said, you're you're taking that responsibility seriously. Uh, you are coming to get training to be able to protect yourself, be able to protect people you care about, be a good member of your community, be a you know responsible armed citizen. And I said, that that's important. And it, there, it is a hefty responsibility. But I said, you have just differentiated yourself uh, you know, from the citizenry and regular gun owners to now you are becoming an armed citizen. And I think that's an important distinction. And I think it uh, adds gravity to what they're doing and they understand what the uh, what that responsibility is, because it's a huge responsibility. Yeah, that responsibility is gigantic. So um, it's just a ton of liability that comes along with it. Absolutely. Um, so the the training track that I've gone down so far, um, and I think a lot of the viewers have also gone down this training track, uh, we've basically gotten the gist of how to put, you know, holes and things that are, you know, a, a, a medium distance away. Sure. Um, as far as like lining up sights and pressing triggers, I think most of like most of the viewers of this of this program and the listeners <laughs> are kind of there. Um, they may even be far enough along to where, you know, they know how to draw from the holster safely and to safely Mm -hmm. return to the holster. Um, there's a lot more to it though. That isn't there. Like there's, there's medical and there's awareness and you know, there's a lot, isn't there? There there is, um, you know, like I tell people the shooting part's easy. I mean, it really is. Uh, we emphasize they said, what we're trying to do uh, when we get people to us is um, build an individual protective system around you and your uniqueness. And it's a principles and concept based system with an outcome, which means success. And, you know, those tactically viable principles and concepts, uh, you know, as well as I do, they were all invented about 125 years ago. And you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants that have come before us and hopefully, uh, you know, we can take those things and impart them onto people. But there's 
a variety of ways of doing things. And for us, as long as you fall within those parameters of principles and concepts, tactically viable principles and concepts, and you meet an end state, uh, we don't really care how you get there. Um, we're going to show you several different ways, but it's really just the fundamentals. And, and you said it, uh, no matter what you're doing, even if you're applying the fundamentals in advanced application or applied tactics, if you will, uh, to gain the advantage, uh, it comes down to aligning the sites or the, putting the dot, superimposing the dot where you want the bolt to go, uh, pressing or pulling the trigger straight to the rear and letting the gun do its thing. Uh, the shooting part is relatively easy and straightforward. It's all the complexity uh, that goes into things after a while. <laughs> a visitor? <laughs> yeah. Um, little guy, he uh, he needs to go to bed. <laughs> uh, I closed the door to the office because my dogs would be trying to get into the computer screen. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. And, you know, one of the things that we try and do is uh, – after we establish that base, and it's just a base foundation, uh, then we start adding realistic context or contextual based uh, things in, in, in realism so that people understand that, hey, we're just not doing a drill. You know, even, uh, for example, you said, you know, drawing from the holster. Um, yeah, we're going to do a skill set in isolation or a micro drill uh, to learn how the mechanics of drawing from the holster uh, and presenting the gun. Uh, but this is how it fits into context and you have to understand number one us as armed citizens a preamble has to be, be met before the gun can come out means intent and ability or means ability intent and jeopardy or means ability opportunity whatever verbiage you want to say but uh, that preamble has to be met and even if it's met that doesn't mean that we've created opportunity yet to get the gun out and it could potentially be a bad timing issue uh, you know, like Craig Douglas likes to say, so we have to do things, apply apply tactics uh, to create space, to give us uh, some distance that equates to time, that, cr that creates an opportunity in order for us to uh, be able to do the action that we're going to do. And, and there's that complexity, the ability that our gun handling needs to be to a level automaticity, uh, unconscious competence that we don't have to think about it, freeing up our form brain, forebrain, uh, to critically think and problem solve. And that's a big difference between going out and just shooting on recreationally and becoming an armed citizen. Uh, you know, the mechanics are the same, but it's all that complexity of, of the world out there that we have to muddle through. And, uh, you know, I'm very upfront with people when we start and in the mindset lecture, we are, as armed citizens, we are at a, in a, initiative deficient state because we don't get to choose the time and the place when something's going to happen we have to create opportunity uh, where we can time it correctly to get the gun out if it's warranted uh, to be able to stop the threat and uh, you know protect ourselves and the people that we care about uh, we have to understand the things to turn the tables if you will and go from that initiative deficient state or on the what i say on the bottom of the cycle of initiative and the bad folks are on the top of the cycle and we need to invert that and switch it up uh, by applied tactics and various things that we do. And that that's where the complexity comes in and, and where training I think is important. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely agree. Um, the track that I'm on right now, and I think a lot of, uh, a lot of listeners are uh, not really so much how to press the trigger and stuff like that, 
really just the whole holistic aspect of it. Um, And I noticed that in your background, there's more than a little bit of medical uh, application in your background. Um, Is it, and when I, when I see something like that on an instructor's resume, when I see that, it makes me kind of think of, you know, uh, like John Murphy or like Mm -hmm. Caleb Causey or, you know, uh, some of these other instructors that will mix a little bit of medical into the class. Um, yeah. Is that something that you do or something that you offer? It, it is, absolutely. Um, we have two medical classes. Uh, actually, they're coming up at the end of this month. Uh, Guardian Medical Essentials 1, Guardian Medical Essentials 2, uh, which is uh, it's geared towards the armed citizen uh, and building that individual protective system because that's one of the things that we talk about, about building a comprehensive system is that uh, you are way more likely to use your medical skills than you are your gunfighting skills. And we just know that statistically. And, uh, you know, anybody can be driving down the road and roll up on a car accident and, you know, be that first responder, you know. And I taught a class here recently and just got an email uh, a few weeks ago Um a private UAV company down in, in the Atlanta area, uh, their technicians are out in the middle of nowhere. And if they have a catastrophic, um, incident with their launching systems, they don't have any, you know, healthcare facilities or any, any treatment facilities anywhere close. So we went down and did, you know, an abbreviated version of our guardian medical essentials and, uh, got them kind of squared away. And then I, so I get this email, and it was one of the guys that was in the class and uh he had actually uh passed out in the class we had had a small medical emergency in the class uh just it wasn't pictures or anything or the sites of blood or injuries uh but it was the thought of and he would vagal himself out and make himself pass out oh wow yeah uh-huh. it's so we got him, he was squared away. He got, you know, we, he came around, we made sure that he was okay. Me and uh, a, another SF uh, medic who, uh, who's retired now uh, that helps me out sometimes. And uh, I give him a shout out, John Hayduck. Um, and so we finished teaching the class. He was, he was all good. Well, he sends me an email a couple weeks ago, said he was driving home and came across a catastrophic car accident. And there was multiple casualties. There was a couple other uh, citizens that were first responders. And he came up on a guy who his foot was actually pretty much tore off. And so he was bleeding out. Uh, He said he remembered the principles and concepts that we taught in the class. And he didn't have uh, a medical kit with him. Excuse me. Um, But he was able to dig through either his vehicle or the vehicle that was involved in the accident. And he found a ratchet strap and applied a tourniquet and saved the guy's life. And he just awesome. wanted to let me know that, and uh, which I thought was really cool. And so I asked for, number one, to share the story if he was okay with that. And then uh, number two is mailing address. And so we sent him one of our medical kits uh, that North American Rescue makes. So I was like, now you will have that for all times. But, um, but it shows the importance of it. You know, a lot of times folks... And there's nothing wrong with it. I love to shoot just like everybody else. Um, but if we think of this contextually and and how armed encounters happen, uh, bullets and pointy things go both ways. 
And there's a very good chance that we could be injured or somebody that we care about is injured or, you know, just somebody that is in the area. And so having that ability to treat trauma in addition to, uh, you know, knowing how to inflict trauma is, is as important, if not more important, uh, when we build a comprehensive system. That's super important. Super yeah. important. So, so I've been asking people about, okay, who is this Shane Kerwin guy? And the the main thing that I get back is uh, the way that you treat your students. You see, um, there's a lot of folks that, uh, you know, have a similar background, uh, military, law enforcement, SF, stuff like that, right? Sure. And so what happens there is when you see them in class, when they, when they get that instructor tab, um, they end up becoming very heavy-handed and very stern, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It depends on the context, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But the thing that keeps bringing folks to uh, protective survival solutions is that uh, there's a there's a manner of dignity and respect that you give to your students. And so uh, I'm interested to hear what your philosophy is, the way you see them and the way you handle it. Yeah. Um, so one of the first things we tell people when they come into class after we do introductions and, and all that, uh, you know, now we're starting to get to know people. Uh, you know, and we'll ask them, uh, give us a little bit of your background, who you are, you know, why are you here? What what do you want to get out of the class? What are kind of your goals and aspirations? Um, and, you know, so we get to know them. We get to know other folks. Uh, but then I'll say, we just want you to understand that now that you are here, uh, you are part of our family, part of our tribe. And, you know, as we continue down this path, I had this conversation recently uh, when we were in Murfreesboro at the outpost. And I said, I think when we start, uh, I like the moniker of instructor, uh, but as they continue down the path and, and, you know, people have that foundation that's set, I really look at myself more as like a coach or a mentor uh, to kind of help guide. And, um, but as we, you know, go through this process and people start building their system, uh, we try to look at them individually and because things that I can do some, you know, somebody else might not be able to do. And uh, so I try to give them various things that fall within principles and concepts. And I tell them, I'm like, I'm going to show you these things and I want you to pick one then and, and put it into your system. I said, because your individual protective system is unique to you. And, you know, as we get older and we have physical limitations or uh, and we lose flexibility, mobility, or, you know, we're a female and because the demographics that we have in classes, you know, spans had the youngest um, uh, 10 years old at the time. And, you know, we've had people up to, you know, 70s and, and you know, getting close to 80 and everybody in between. And so we want to make it the system around their uniqueness. But uh so we, you know, we try and look at everybody individually and figure out what do they need uh, to make this system and to be able to understand the principles and concepts, retain them, and then be able to recall them in a time of need when they're in an adrenalized state uh, in a violent encounter. And then in addition to that, um, they really have become our, our family and friends. You know, we go out to dinner uh, at least once, you know, during, during a, a weekend of classes, if not each night, uh, 
we get together, we have stuff at the house where, where people have come over and uh, we've done training days at the house or just barbecues or uh, if somebody in, in the group or tribe needs help, uh, we've gone and done lumberjack days at people's houses because they've had trees go down with storms. And, uh, you know, we're trying to build this community. And I guess, you know, overall, we, we just we care about the folks that are coming here. And we're honored that they, you know, have sought us out, uh, paid their hard-earned money, taken their time, uh, given, you know, uh, or we had then the responsibility of training them for something that could be life-altering. And, uh, you know, we take that responsibility extremely, extremely seriously. Uh, and I always say in class, I'm like, you know, this is a deadly serious thing that we're talking about and it's a big responsibility. Uh, but then on the other hand, we also, uh, nobody says we can't have a good time doing it. And, and so, um, yeah, I think it's important. It's what makes us uh, a little bit different. Uh, and I will check in with students all the time. You know, I'll send them a message or give them a call. Or uh, we'd had a friend of mine, Abner Miranda, who has a Tier 1 Citizen YouTube channel. Uh, I've known Abner for a number of years. He's come up. Uh, he reached out here last year and uh, has come up and taken some of the classes. And he is also uh videoed them and professionally edited them and and put them out on on his youtube channel uh but when he was coming up i i said abner you know you're coming up i said come to the house man just just come stay at the house and uh he relayed to me he was like you uh you offer me to stay at your house i know you've done it with other people um he goes and he goes nobody's ever offered that and he said, you go out to eat with your students. He goes, I can count on one hand the amount of instructors that go out to eat with their students and keep in touch with them and and that. And he's like, you send out, because we send out a lot of pre-reading material or associated articles with uh, whatever coursework we're doing. Um, and he's like, yeah, that's very rare also. And we're like, well, you know, we're trying to help and develop people uh, and if they find themselves in a situation where their life or their loved one's life depend on it, uh, we want them to be able to handle that and, and go home to the people that care about them at the end of the day. And so uh, it, their family, their family, most definitely. Man, that is awesome. That's awesome. I, uh, that's, yeah, your friend said that uh, that was rare. Yeah, he's right. There's, there's not a whole lot of people that will make that kind of connection. Um, because I think the goal is different instead of building a community or building a, uh, you know, a unique, uh, defensive system or, you know, a, um, uh, really kind of, I mean, I think some folks are making better shooters, but they're not really making better defenders, better armed citizens, better, better family members. So sure. I think that's really needed. Um, yeah. yeah. Another thing that I really appreciate is the fact that, uh, you're open to different techniques. You, you see a lot of folks that are like, hey, you know, this is my way or the highway. Uh, instead, yeah. you know, you basically have, I, I, I think it'd be fair to call it a principle. And mm -hmm. there's multiple technique techniques in order for you to achieve that principle. Yeah. And I think that's needed as well, because, you know, not everybody can get the grip that I can get or that you can grip, you know? Sure. So 
Well, I think us, you know, as instructors, if we preach or say, hey, it's, you know, this way or this is our way or uh, one of the things that I disliked because, uh, you know, I, my wife and I still we take a lot of training. Still, we try to be, you know, forever students and um, and it hasn't happened recently because I'm very selective with with who we we train with. Um, but when I would go to a class and somebody would say, hey, this is our way. Uh, try it for today or this weekend. If you don't like it, discard it. And I think that does the the student base uh, a disservice. Because now, like, you know, military law enforcement, uh, they're picked for certain attributes and they want commonality, you know, across their system, you know, so that they know everybody is the same. Uh, but like I said earlier, if you look at the demographics of one of our classes, uh, you've got everything and not one single technique works for them. So, you know, if we kind of stay within a uh, principles and concepts and meet an end state, uh, we can give them different techniques and let them kind of build that individual system. And then one of the other things that we've we've done here recently, and, and I've been doing it for a while, but I'm putting a lot more emphasis on it, is, uh, and this is kind of my definition of it. I know it's not not probably perfect, but like in the military or when I first got out, when I was uh, using my, putting my curriculums together, it was more an outcome-based training. Um, and the military does that quite a bit. You know, we have to hit certain checklists and then, and, and meet this goal uh, regardless of, you know, what level people got to, you know, cause we've got to hit this laundry list of things and now you are trained and, you know, it wasn't bad and it wasn't so much as, uh, you know, we're going to hit all these things regardless of where you're at and and make this outcome or this goal. Uh, but I started really looking at performance-based training instead and where you still have, you know, a goal at the end, uh, but we don't really worry about it. And, and since I've done that uh, and so I've, I've taken things and I've reworked how, how I do outlines and I put it more into, into modules. Cause I was, I was up training with Reed Hendrick, up at uh, Valor Ridge and that's how he did. And he and I talked quite a bit and uh, you know, shout out to Reed. Uh, he's doing good things up there and we highly recommend him. Um, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to steal that and, uh, and give you credit of course. And, uh, and whoever, you know, cause I know he got a lot of things from Paul Howell and that. And, uh, but you know, I think it's important to give credit, but uh, with the modules we're, we're way more performance based now. Uh, and I think it's working out a lot better with the students is that, hey, we have this module of whatever it is, you know, maybe the initial where we're teaching the ready positions, uh, we're teaching draw stroke, and that's all in, in say, this first module. Uh, and we have it broken down with, with exercise where they get dry fire and continue repetitions, and we add on with live fire. And But we don't leave that module until everybody can do those tasks. And when we get to a next module, it's kind of the same thing. So, uh, you know, we want to bring everybody up uh, to a certain level. And when we can get them to that level, then we add a little bit more because everything that we do is is building blocks. So, uh, you know, going back to like we said earlier with it just being the basics, uh, as we continue to, to strengthen those building blocks, we start adding more realistic context to it and adding other things. And so it's really nothing different, but we're just adding another piece, adding another piece, 
but we want people to be able to get it before we go on to the next thing. And if we don't get through uh, every module in that particular day or whatever, it's something that we can pull out and it's like, okay, that's the first thing that we're going to address when we're reinforcing the things that we did before tomorrow or, you know, in the next class. And uh, so, you know, I think, I think that's important to, to work with the students that way so that they have something uh, when they leave at the end of the day. And, and I will ask them this, the question I ask everybody at the end, at the conclusion of every class is, do you feel better prepared to protect yourself now leaving the class than when you walked in this morning? And, and that's important to me. And fortunately, nobody has, everybody has said, yes, we do. Cause I'm like, we could walk out of here and the skill sets that you worked and solidified uh, during our time together, uh, on your way home, you stop for gas and you could be involved in an all armed altercation. And we want to make sure that you leave with something uh, that you can protect yourself. And when you come back to us, we're just going to add more to it. So you'll be better prepared. That sounds outstanding. It sounds like a lot of fun too. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. We, we have a good time. We definitely have a good time. So, um, a lot of the stuff I hear about, uh, personal survival solutions is it has a lot to do with your rifle curriculum as well. Do you do stuff with rifle and what is your training methodology there? We do. Um, so I think by last count, uh, my wife said we either have 21 or 22 classes on in the course curriculum. Now with that, uh, there is linkage to all the different series. Um, so we have, including the, we have an introduction to protective pistol, which is kind of a novice uh, class that starts them on the path to then go into the covert protective pistol series. Uh, including that class, there is six pistol classes. Uh, we have six rifle carbine classes, uh, starting off with uh, uh, close range rifle carbine, and there's four of those, and then going into intermediate distance and scout marksman, which we kind of hit all facets with rifle. Uh, and then, you know, across the board, we have the medical, we have a three-day arm protective measures class, uh, which is around the armed citizen and pistol where they get a little bit of everything. Uh, some good pistol work, mindset awareness, managing unknown contacts, uh, some rudimentary combatives, OC spray. Uh, we also have a separate OC spray class. Uh, we do medical vehicle tactics and defense and some home defense all wrapped up in that three-day class. Um, but the, the rifle curriculum, uh, we've been, been doing quite a bit of that and, uh, and I like it. Um, I like them all. People ask me, what's your favorite class to teach? And I can honestly say, uh, it's whatever class I'm teaching right now, because they all have different aspects that I enjoy. Um, but, but I like the rifle cause I spent a lot of time on that. Um, and so, uh, when I was looking at, to put the curriculum together, uh, I started looking at what else was out there and what I've taken. And, and I know that there's probably somebody doing something similar to us, but for the most part, what I saw was either peeping, people doing short range, like 25 yards and in. Uh, so CQB pistol distances with a rifle, which is important. Don't get me wrong. Or, you know, if you're going to, going to employ that rifle or PCC, uh, you know, for home defense or that, and we have to be able to build the mechanics, but that's all they really spent their time on. 
And then on the other end of the spectrum, it seemed like it was 100 yards and beyond and nothing really putting it all in between. So, uh, so I developed the short range rifle carbine, uh, which is 50 yards and in, and there's three of those and they just build off of each other. And like I said, there's a lot of linkage and commonality between the curriculums for with the, whether it's a pistol or a carbine, a uh, shotgun, or even, even long rifle. Um, but we do that. And then that, uh, the short range culminates with an applied tactics. Uh, so adding more complexity and realistic context uh, to, to the short range area. And then in intermediate, we go from 50 to 200 yards and start stretching our legs a little bit. And then scout marksman is uh, 50 out to 400 yards. And, you know, we frame it in context of, you know, right now the way things are, uh, you are not going to be able number one identify that they're a threat at three or four hundred yards let alone be able to articulate why are they a threat at that distance um but the confidence uh that it inspires on people uh when they can have a good grouping out at three and four hundred yards and then i go to them well how's a how's a 50 yard shot you know or a 25 yard headshot uh standing offhand and they're like well that's easy because i just nailed 400. Yeah, you know, so, um, so that that's a real fun series. That's that's a good time. Man, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, we're coming right up on it. Um, let's see. I think we covered just about everything. I just, I'm looking up at the clock, and right now we're at 45 minutes. Man, I just it just kind of flew by, Shane. It does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, do you have any future projects coming up or anything you're working on right now? Yeah. Um, so my, uh, the curriculum is always in a constant state of flux, if you will. Uh, cause I want it to be as recent, relevant and realistic as possible and to make sense. Uh, so I'm always reworking that. Um, so, so I've been doing that as we change some things with the pistol curriculum and, and the carbine curriculum and, and the long gun, we just got done with some some long range stuff. Uh, but that's always a constant thing. Um, I got some things next year that I want to do. Um, I've had a lot of interest in the long range. And uh, so we might expand the long range a little bit next year. I would like to, uh, with the pistol series, because we do some scenarios in um, in the uh, three-day arm protective measure, force on force, you know, uh, stress inoculate scenario based stuff. Uh, but I'd like to do a full class of that. Um, that's going to take some time because I want them to be very good, realistic scenarios that armed citizens could encounter. I uh, need very good role players uh, that that know how to play the roles. And I will probably reach out to some people that are <laughs> very experts in it uh, and, and solicit their help, hopefully. Um, some things in the near future uh we will be uh steve moses of um uh ptg uh is hosting us in october uh at the uh the ccw safe range out there in oklahoma at the uh, 5-0 uh range hopefully i got all that right that's going to be in october 14 15. uh so we have have that stuff going on and then uh, we got a class actually in Benton, Kentucky, a good friend of ours who we go do knife forging with, uh, Fred DePritt, uh, DePritt Forge. 
Uh, he's hosting us here in July. And so, uh, yeah, we're just just working through those things. And uh, and I'm taking some training. Uh, actually signed up for the first Combatives Association Summit down in Florida in September. Uh, so I'll be yeah. down there as an attendee and uh, see what we can glean there. And also uh, see some of my my good friends and Craig Douglas and Cecil Birch and, and those guys. So, um, but yeah, we're just gonna gonna keep at it, man. Just try and try and reach the masses and and hopefully help help people. And that's the biggest thing we want to do is is just be able to help people and guide them on on this path. Such a fantastic goal, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. And I wish you the best of luck too with it. Absolutely, um, I appreciate it. So, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, if if anyone has any questions or if they're you know looking at your your calendar, your schedule. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, what can they use to keep up with you? Um, so you can hit us on the website, which is uh, www.personalsurvivalsolutions.com. Uh, that has the schedule on there. You can sign up if there's a class you want. Uh, there's a area in there that you can go and uh, if you have questions, uh, plus mine and uh, my wife Callie's, because like I said, she really runs the business. She I got to give her a shout out because she's the one that makes all this happen. She she really does. Um, I couldn't do it without her. And she does a lot of behind the scenes stuff uh, that a lot of people don't see. She takes photos and videos, all the classes and send them out, you know, as a training aid to students. And uh, she she allows me to do this. But um, so, yeah, I just wanted to give her, her a shout out there. Um, but our numbers are on there. You can call us, send us a message. Uh, we are on Facebook uh, at Personal Survival Solutions, Instagram, uh, uh, LinkedIn, and uh, we have a YouTube channel, Personal Survival Solutions. It's it doesn't have a lot of context on it right now. That's uh, one of the, one of our projects is is giving us some more robust uh, um, content on on the YouTubes, if you will. But uh, um, yeah, any of those you can reach out to us. And then, uh, you know, we've got our personal Facebook pages and, and stuff like that. Sounds fantastic. Um, if you're listening to this or if you're watching this, um, I took notes on, you know, where we could find Shane. Uh, all you have to do is look in the description for the show and you'll be able to see links to all that stuff. So, yeah, go out and see this man. Go to uh, Protective Survival Solutions. Uh, Shane is locked on. Okay. Personal, personal survival solutions. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay, man. Personal survival solutions. Um, it's, it's been a long week already. <laughs> and Shane, this this hour just flew by. Thanks a bunch for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm humbled and honored, and, and I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It was my honor. And uh, folks, if you're watching or if you're listening, um, I just want to let you know how much we appreciate you spending your time with us. Uh, you could have spent your time with your family. You could have spent your time earning some extra cash, but you're spending it here with us. And I just want to let you know how much we really appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for watching or listening, and welcome to Memphis. Excellent.